Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby Podcast. I am your host, Therese Therese, and normally what I do is read a poem from my book of poetry entitled A Strong-Willed Mind, Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. But I will not be reading from my book of poetry on today. Instead, I am going to read from a chapter in my novel entitled Perfect Illusions of Love, a Novel. Thank you. Thank you very much. So here we go. (laughs) The name of the title is entitled Lies. Here we go. He sees the look in my eyes and knows the tears are about to fall. So he desperately tries to reassure me that something within me, but something within me is not convinced. Baby, I hate to do this to you, but I need to go to the men's room to relieve myself. I can't hold this in any longer because I jetted to the restaurant to avoid being too late from my business meeting. Now, I got to go. I am speechless. I can't even look at him, so I pretend to rearrange my silverware on our table. The knot in my throat is getting larger. His efforts are not working, and I don't believe him. He pretends not to notice my disengagement of our conversation and continues. I tell you what, why don't you do me the honors and go ahead and order our meals for tonight since we are getting a late start. I grab the dinner napkin to wipe the corners of my eyes. I don't want my mascara to run down the sides of my face and mess up my makeup. Clarence is speaking in an apologetic tone. You already know what I want. Can you please order my favorite meal for me? He winks at me. I'm not flattered. He continues. I want my steak medium rare, my potatoes whipped with a hint of crisp to them and extra glaze on my baby carrots. You know how I like it, don't you, babe? He smiles. All I can do is sit here in disbelief. I think I just roll my eyes as he continues to speak to me. Trust me, babe, I won't be long. The knot in my throat left first, and then I felt numb. Go ahead and order whatever you want from the menu, baby. I'll be back in a few minutes. He only calls me baby when he feels guilty about something. He stands up, unbuttons his three-piece suit, and proceeds to remove his dinner jacket. He reaches inside of his jacket pocket and he grabs his cell phone out of it. Once it is in his hand, he places his jacket on the back seat of his chair and he wipes off the same dust from his nicely nicely creased slacks he pretended to wipe off earlier. He places his cell phone into his right pant pocket and then he proceeds to walk over to me. I don't want to look at him for fear that if I do, the tears will begin to flow. Nothing about tonight is going right, and my feelings are very hurt. It's taking every fiber of my being for me not to break down and cry right now. I reluctantly nod my head yes to acknowledge his instructions and his question. I set my dinner napkin back on the table, and I tilt my head in the direction of his lips because I know a kiss is coming to my forehead. As expected... He kisses it. This is something he does most times to ease my troubled mind or when we are about to separate from one another for a short period of time. He loves doing this whenever he feels an argument coming on as well. And he always kisses me on my forehead when he senses my attitude is about to change for the worse. I tend to get a lot of forehead kisses during that special time of the month, if you know what I mean. I force myself to smile up at him. I feel different. I still feel indifferent toward him, but I stay cordial. I haven't found a place to put all of my mixed emotions yet. 
stay beautiful while I'm away, baby. That's the second time tonight he's called me baby. He walked away and headed toward the direction of the men's room. I look at the gold card attached to the roses. My excitement took a backseat to my anger. Yes, his kisses are always gentle and soft. For the most part, they manage to ease my troubled mind. He has kissed me on my forehead for years. It's his way of telling me not to worry about anything. It's worked in the past, but not tonight. I'm having a hard time with this last kiss he laid on my forehead. It felt indifferent. I want and need my mind to be at ease from all of these negative thoughts trying to enter into it. So I grab my menu. This should serve as a productive distraction. I have so many questions racing through my head that my head is starting to hurt. It begins hurting to the point that the words on my menu look like one big blurb. This is only making matters worse. I wonder why I am so sensitive tonight. I want to make sense of this unfamiliar feeling of jealousy. I wonder why it's invading my personal space and it's starting to ruin my romantic plans. I gather myself and I did exactly as Clarence asked me asked of me. For those of you who don't know, the name will be changed in the second book. It'll be Clay. But I digress. I attempt to look over the menu one more time and decide what I have a taste for. I think it is going to be black and salmon. I love the taste of a great fish. The anger is subsiding. I sit straight up, pull my belly in, and I prepare myself to order our food. Clarence threw off, threw me off because he's always ordered our food. And he's been doing this ever since I've known him. I have grown accustomed to this. He orders the entire meal, our appetizers and our drinks too. He knows which wine goes with which meat choice. So tonight, I feel completely slighted and disconnected from him. I feel lost and confused too. Like my Prince Charming has suddenly left me for dead. Why is Clarence hurting my feelings like this and on our anniversary night? This man definitely has some explaining and some making up to do. But if it means keeping the peace between us tonight, I'll go ahead and place our order. I take a deep breath and I refocus my energy. When all is said and done, I know my ultimate goal is to make sure my man is fed well tonight because he is going to need every ounce of his energy later for later on, especially for what I have planned for us this evening. Our anniversary may be off to a rocky start, but if things go as planned, we will have a very smooth and memorable ending. I keep this in mind as I wave my hand in the air like Miss America and beckon for the waiter to come and take my order. So I hope that y'all have had the most amazing evening, morning, afternoon, whenever it is that you hear this episode. So what you have just heard is a chapter from my book of, po I'm sorry, from my novel. I'm so used to reading from my book of poetry, but from my novel. And yes, you have also heard that I am working on the second part of the novel. Um, recently, I was going through a few of my archives and I found two books that have been in limbo. Both of them pretty much already written. And this goes out to everyone who has literally put their dreams on pause. I don't even know why I didn't take the extra steps and go ahead and publish these books. 
maybe because I wanted to make sure that there were no typos to make sure that all of the um, editing had been done properly because I tend to edit my books and incorporate family members and some friends to kind of like read over the book to make sure that the periods and the dots and the exclamation points and the quotation marks and everything is in the right place before printing. But, excuse me, when I looked and read over the books, one thing that stood out is that the hard work had already really been done. Now, I know you heard me say that I'm going to change one of the characters' names, and it just seems befitting as in the direction that I'm going with the book, um, it just seemed like the right thing to do. So I'm going to follow that. But um, in the course of me reading the second part of Perfect Illusions of Love, the book that I have not printed just yet, I was like, why am I sitting on this? Why have I sat on this? Um, and I could not really come up with a, a good enough answer. So if you've never listened to the episode where I talked about dreams deferred, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you might want to look up that episode. And a lot of times we allow distractions, people, situations, circumstances, opinions, naysayers to stop us from dreaming big. I know I've been guilty of that. You let one person who does not see the vision for your life interject their own opinion and then before you know it you've literally put your dream on the back burner you've literally put a pin in it and sometimes you don't return back to it I remember years 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 ago and that at that time I was living in Longview Texas and I had had this very very detailed dream. The dream was so detailed and it had so many layers that I wrote it down. And I know that it's written in the journal somewhere. But one part that keeps standing out to me, um, even as I'm thinking about this particular moment, is where as I was reading what I had written, I was I went to a library because I wanted to break that dream down. That's how detailed the dream was. I wanted to find out what certain symbols in the dream meant, what certain numbers in the dream meant. And it got so intense that the librarian started helping me. But one of the things that stood out and still stands out to this day is that I had stumbled upon a poem that a young lady wrote. And it was very, very, it was a lovely poem, truth be told. But she wrote the poem in her journal. Years later, someone had stumbled upon that poem. And when they were looking at the details of the poem, they ended up talking about how she should have taken time to publish that poem. And they were saying that that poem that she wrote so many years back it had a similarity to one of the chapters in the book of Psalms. And then the author went on to talk about the reason why she should have published the poem. Because the people in that day may have profited or benefited from the words that were coming off of those pages. That maybe there would have been people in that time that were, would be able to resonate the, the her words would have been able to resonate with them. And who knows what trials and tribulations it could have helped them overcome had she published her poem. And I heard a voice so clearly ask me the question, do you want to be like this woman? And at first I was like, what? But I heard it again. I believe it was the voice of God. But it was like, do you want 
to be like this woman? And I said, I don't understand the question. So this voice elaborated and it said, this woman never had the opportunity to see what publishing her poem would have did for her community, for herself, for the people that were surrounding her. Do you want to be like this woman and bury your gifts and your talents? And I was like, uh, no, <laughs> no, I don't. And so then this voice went on to bring to my remembrance that I had so many poems that I had written since the age of 10 years old. So it was probably a course of over the course of at that time, maybe 20, 25 years that I had never taken time to publish. And that if I kept sitting on my gifts and my talents, that I could end up becoming like that woman. And my gifts and my talents would be buried with me. My never knowing how it could have helped. They could have helped my community or the people around me and the people that I care about. So I was like, oh, in a, in a real sense, by hearing those words, it helped to put things for me in a new perspective. And it wasn't long after that that I started working on my book of poetry. Um, the one that I tend to read on the episodes, A Strong-Willed Mind, Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. So one of the things that my aunt had brought to my attention is that um, she has picked up on one of the revelations of my book of poetry. And she was pretty much telling me, which God had also given me that revelation a while back as well, that healing scars over time through my poetry, how there's a bit of prophetic in that statement. Because she was like, it's been a moment since you wrote your book of poetry but now look at what is happening. You are now reading your book of poetry to the masses. And I was like, wow. Now, the truth be told, I will never know how reading my book of poetry has touched each and every life that has heard the poetry. I'll never know that. Um, I may get glimpses of it. I may even get a few people to share their testimonies with me, but I'll never truly know how being transparent and sharing what I've been through, how it helped somebody else. And maybe that's not for me to know, but one thing I did was be obedient. So I'm going to read this poem that I wrote. In my book of poetry entitled A Strong Will Mind Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. And this this particular poem, I believe, was birthed out of the conversation that I had with God in the library. Here we go. It's called How Did You Use Your Talents? When I gave you your talent, how did you use it? Did you give it your all or did you just bury it? Did you share it with others or did you keep it to yourself? Did you only recognize it when it was seen in someone else? Did you take time out to master it or did you just throw it all away? Did you practice to perfect it each and every day? Did you give up on it without putting up a fight? Are you sleeping on your hopes and dreams each and every night, did you take it for granted? The seed in you I've planted, the talent I placed inside of you is to prove that my love is true. What did you do with your talent? I would really like to know. It was given to you for my glory to be seen through your spirit and soul. But how? Did you use your talent? So needless to say, the book was birthed and the book was written. 
And on the back of it, I wrote, if you are someone who has experienced a broken heart, a failed relationship, lost a close family member, or lost a dear friend, then you are invited to expand your mind and open up your heart as you travel across the pages of this book and discover that you are not alone. Get prepared to take an unpredictable journey with the author as she writes about some of her most vulnerable moments through her poetry. Her book, A Strong-Willed Mind, awaits you. And little did I know, this little book that was written for me to share my hopes, my dreams, the trials, the tribulations I've been through, would be one that I would end up sharing and would be heard across the world. I never imagined that. But that day in the library, as I was trying to research on a dream that I had had, that had many levels to it, there was something that sparked me to no longer bury my talents. Fast forward. I obeyed that instruction, got to work, got the book published. I find it a bit ironic that years later, I discover that I've written two more books. And I've actually written more than two books, but, but those are the two books that made me do another analysis of like, what is going on with you, girlfriend? Why are you sitting on the things that you are meant to share with others? What is that about? Why are you dropping the ball? Who has put the doubt in your mind for you to keep pressing toward your mark to a higher calling? When did that take place? And you need to literally reflect. I'm talking to myself, having the whole dialogue with self. Why it is that you let that voice win for as long as you have? What are you doubting? Because one thing that I've learned about publishing books and getting them published, writing books, is that a lot of times we will place our own selves in a position of doubt. When there's people out there that just want to hear what you have to say. We do that to ourselves. We're, we're listening to our own naysayer voice in a lot of ways. Yes, there may be people out there that don't mean you no earthly good, that are speaking against you every chance they get, that are jealous of anything that you've done, not even knowing the work that you put into it. They may see the last part of what you've done, thinking that all you had to do was thinking that it, it manifested, when in all actuality, it could have been over a decade coming into fruition. But they wouldn't know that because they're not taking the time out to get to know you or the story behind it. They would rather put themselves in a position of judging you or misjudging you in a lot of ways um, without taking an opportunity to really get to know the person behind the brand. And that's okay. It's, it's you know, everybody is meant to do something and be something, whether good, bad, ugly, or indifferent. So that's something that I've I've kind of grown to accept over time. Um, but it never, ever should be so the voice I'm talking about in our heads, the naysaying voice in our heads should never be so loud that we give up on self, that we give up on us. Will there be setbacks? Oh, yeah, that's just a part of life. But even with the setbacks, we should be trying to focus on a major comeback. I have experienced, if you've listened to any of my episodes, I'm sure you've heard quite a few. I have experienced a lot of setbacks in my life. I have experienced a lot of things that were meant to break me. I have experienced a lot of turmoil and tribulation in my world. But there was always something within me 
even when I discovered certain people who I was under the impression had my best interest at heart, only to discover later on that they were willing for failure, whether it be in my relationships, whether it be in my career, whether it be just in my life in general, raising my children, whatever it was, they didn't mean me any earthly good. And having to discover that, especially when you find out that it is taking place with someone whom you called friend, can be very, very hurtful. It is very, very hurtful. But how you process that can make the world a difference. It can make you bitter or it can make you better. It can make you better in how you choose friendships. It can make you better in how you hear people. You know, when people, you know, literally you can, someone can tell you how they really feel about you. And if you listen and if you pay attention, then that could be all that you need in order for you to move differently going forward with that individual. But if you choose to ignore what it is that you hear, and if you choose to make excuses for what it is that you see, then that's what intensifies the hurt and the pain. So when I was reading the chapter out of my novel, I do a lot of what I do. So my books of poetry, my book of poetry, um, as well as my novel, what I do, whatever chapter I turn, I do this with the Bible. I do this with just about anything. Whatever I open up to is what I feel like is supposed to be talked about. So the name of that chapter that I read was called Lies. What are you lying to yourself about? That's what question I want to pose on today. What are you lying? When it comes to your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations, your goals, what are you lying to yourself about? What, have, what, what false evidence appearing real have you convinced yourself is true? False evidence appearing real really means fear. What are you afraid of? Excuse me. What are you afraid of? Could it be that you could be afraid of success? I know for the longest time that success haunted me. I kid you not. I had been it had been ingrained in me that I was never going to be nothing, that I was never going to amount to nothing, that nobody was going to love me, that nobody was going to like me. It had been ingrained in me growing up to the point that I started to develop a fear of success, true story. And it took me going to therapy and it took me talking and surrounding myself by people that literally could see the potential in me and they were trying to fan the flames and get me to see myself the way that they saw me so that I could outlive the lies. So that I could outlive the naysayers' false statements about me. So that I could reprogram my way of thinking and change the trajectory of my life. Because according to the naysayers, all I was supposed to do was be a mother of several children and not amount to anything. According to the naysayers, according to the naysayers, I was not supposed to have a career in anything. According to the naysayers, I was not supposed to have two successfully published books, according to the naysayers. According to the naysayers, I shouldn't even have one true friend. Now, mind you, you don't always have to do something bad for people to wish bad on you. Misery really does love company. And a lot of times when they're speaking ill against you, that's really what they feel on the inside about themselves. Those are lies. The lies that they're telling themselves and the lies that they're telling you. But it's up to you to co-sign for those lies. 
If you believe what it is that you hear, if you believe what it is that they say, eventually that becomes your reality. And then you wonder why certain things don't come into fruition. Because you've come into agreement with the lies. So once I started, I started realizing that I had the power to debunk and reverse every word curse, every spoken, ever spoken against me, whether I heard it or I did not hear it. But I knew and found out that I had the power to debunk it and cancel those assignments. Things started to change for me. When I started to see people for who they really were, not for what they told me and who they told me they were, but for who they really were, how I operated toward them and around them was different. When I started to recognize users that were placed in my path, that they really did not mean any earthly good for me or even want it for that matter, but they were put in position to take from me. To keep me down mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, physically. When I started to recognize the users in my life. Oh, you really don't want me to succeed. But since you're here, you're going to utilize all of my resources and literally drain my resources so that I don't have the capacity to excel. The devil is a liar. So I got to the point when I started recognizing and seeing people for who they really were concerning me and doing inventory concerning me, self-inventory. Oh, okay. So every time I get in your path, you're trying to figure out a way to hurt my feelings. That's where you prosper. You're only okay when you are tearing me down. Oh, I got to move around. You don't know how to build me up. It bothers you to build me up. It bothers you to hear me having a good day. It bothers you to see me happy. It bothers you to see my smile. I got to move around. Oh, it bothers you to see that financially I'm okay and don't need you in any way, form or fashion. I got to move around. Oh, the only time that you want to celebrate is when you see that I'm down. I didn't had a, a tragic situation happen in my world and now you're all ears. But when I'm calling you with the good news, you don't want to hear a word I got to say. I got to move around. Because a lot of times people are showing us how they feel about us, their views about us, their perception of us, whether it's good, bad, ugly or indifferent or even if it's a lie. A lot of times it's something that they've made up in their own minds that they have now claimed as true. And it's the furthest thing from the true, the truth. But that's their truth. Once you start to recognize certain people, certain behaviors, how they operate when you're succeed, <clears throat> excuse me, how they operate when you're succeeding versus how they are operating when you're starting to fail. And you listen to the conversation. You may end up moving a little differently. And it doesn't mean that you have to completely separate yourself from that person indefinitely. Sometimes you just got to separate yourself long enough from that person to cast down every single stronghold that they have put up against you in their words, actions and deeds that is preventing you from pursuing your dreams. I think that's why some people go on sabbaticals sometimes. Now, I'm not the super most religious person, but I do believe that there are some religions that go on sabbaticals. They isolate themselves so that they can hear directly from God. So that they can get their next set of instructions from God. That's not a bad thing. If you're wanting to fulfill certain purposes in your world and in your life, sometimes you do have to separate yourself, especially when it comes to wanting to make sure that you follow certain instructions verbatim. 
because you want to make sure that you're hearing directly from your creator. There's nothing wrong with that. And then sometimes you got to separate yourself, even if it's mentally, emotionally, psychologically, physically, however you do it, in order for you to reframe something that someone said. Okay, so you said that I would never be anything. Uh, I don't want to come into agreement with that because I've had visions and dreams about my life and I've seen myself talking to the masses. I've seen myself on stages. I've seen myself um, speaking with the people that I esteem high. I've seen myself in round tables having discussions about certain subjects. I've seen myself doing that. So when you're telling me that I'm not going to amount to anything, that is contradictory and contrary to what it is that I've seen myself for me. So sometimes you got to separate yourself to be able to reaffirm the vision that you have for your own life so that you don't co-sign for the lies and with the lies. And that's okay. Because a lot of times, if we're not careful, we will allow a naysayer to rewrite our story. They never saw you writing multiple books. So now you come into agreement, whether knowingly or unknowingly, with, oh, yeah, you're right. I was only meant to write one. What? The Bible says without a vision, God's people perish. Where is your vision? Write it down. Make it plain. Where is your vision? What are you telling yourself? What have you co-signed in believing is true when it is an absolute bona fide lie? You don't have to agree with someone that says that you'll never be successful. A lot of times, even when you're in position at a job, someone will tell you you're not a leader and you'll co-sign. You know what? You're right. I was only meant to push paper. You're so, so right. I was only meant to to do as you say, not as you do. You're so right. You don't have to come into agreement with those lies. There are different ways that you can lead. You may not necessarily have the title per se, but that doesn't mean that you're not a leader. Why would you co-sign for that? Why would you come in agreement with that lie? Just because that person doesn't see you as such does not make their view of you fact. I don't think that you'll ever marry again. Says who? Just because you don't see me as a wife or a husband does not mean that that's a fact. I may not marry you, but maybe there's somebody out there that sees the qualities that I possess, that see me as a wife, as a rib, and is like, child, please, whoever does not see what I see is a fool because she's the whole package and I'd be a fool not to make her my wife. I'd be a fool not to make him my husband. You don't have to co-sign with the naysayers. Just because they don't see your purpose, just because they don't see the call on your life, just because they don't see what you're predestined to be, does not mean that you have to come into agreement with the lies. You have the power in your tongue to speak a thing that be not as though it is. Did you know that? Oh, okay, you don't see me as a wife? I'm sorry, I do. End of story. Troopy Tota didn't ask you anyway. <laughs> oh, okay, you don't see me as a husband? Well, I do. End of story. Oh, okay, you don't see me as a good parent? Well, I do. End of story. Oh, okay, you don't see me as a good colleague? Well, I do. End of story. Oh, okay, you don't see me as a leader? Well, I do. End of story. I don't have to co-sign with your lies. I don't have to make your lies become my reality.
And a lot of times, whether we do it knowingly or unknowingly, if we're not careful, that's exactly what we end up doing. Co-signing for lies. Why come we can't co-sign for the truth? If you are uniquely and wonderfully made, walk in that. If greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, walk in that. If you are more than a conqueror, walk in that. Allow the truth to be your guide. Allow the truth to be your compass. Debunk the lies that you have told yourself, that you have told others. Don't let that become your portion. Lies should not be your portion. That's just my opinion. I mean, you're entitled to your own. That's your business. But in my opinion, I don't want lies to be my portion. I had a friend of mine and she had made a comment. She did a, a TikTok and she made a comment and she said, um, be glad that he did not become your husband. So it was a situation and I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I, I watched it quickly and commented on it, but I didn't like take time out to meditate on it, so to speak. But she had made the comment that the person whom she was having a conversation with, that this particular particular person um, had came to her and said, I can't believe this. He's getting married, but he's not marrying me. He's marrying someone else. And she started talking about how this person who was hurt had told her a while back how he was not even an honest individual, how he had a track record of infidelity and the list went on. And she was like, huh, maybe you need to change your perspective. You ought to be glad that's not going to be your husband. The friend had almost came, almost came into agreement with the lie. The lie was he was as good as she could ever get. But she would have been selling herself short because he wasn't faithful. So she would have been she would have attached herself to an unfaithful man. That would not have been much of a marriage to come home to. But we can do that, not even realizing that we're doing that. Co-signing for the lies. Somebody had convinced her that he was the best that she had ever had. And if being with an unfaithful person is the best that you've ever had, you might want to do a self-inventory. If that's your bar, do a self-inventory. Because somewhere along the line, you have lied to yourself. You should want someone that's going to be faithful to you in spirit and in truth. That's not going to ride the line. That's not going to compromise their integrity for the sake of ego. You should want to be connected to somebody like that. Who when it, whether you're in their presence or not, they hold you to high regard and they're not going to do anything to compromise the integrity of your relationship, whether you physically can see them or not. You should want that for yourself. But if you don't, it's time to do a self inventory. What lies have you come into agreement with? Because a lot of times, excuse me, <clears throat> we do that and we don't even know it. We will co-sign for someone telling us something about the person that we're dating or the person that we're seeing in a negative light and come into agreement. Why? If that's not who you see when you are seeing this person, don't co-sign for somebody else's mess, whether it be their insecurity, whether it be their lies, whether it be them deceiving themselves. Don't co-sign for that. I'm sorry that you feel this way. That's not what I see when I see this individual. Maybe if you got a chance to know them or get to know them, you would draw a different conclusion. 
But seeing how you've already drawn this conclusion, I don't even want them around you. Because the way that you view them is toxic. You're toxic. So I don't want the toxicity around them because you might taint something that I got that's good. Because your, your perception is, it stinks. It's a lie. Do all relationships have problems? Yes, they do. But when you start to maximize the problem and you start to maximize the bad and not focus on the good, then now you got a big problem because that's where you focus your attention on. All the bad, none of the good. You're creating the lie. And then you're co-signing for it. We do this and don't even realize that we're doing this in our everyday lives. It's okay to change the trajectory of that and to start recognizing what lies have I told myself over a period of time. One of the reasons why I enjoy doing these podcasts is because it allows me an opportunity to do a lot of self-reflecting. It allows me to see who I'm in association with. It allows me to see who I'm in relationship with. It allows me to, to pay attention to the conversations that I've had in the past. It allows me to see where I've grown the type of relationships that I used to be a part of and the, the difference of the dynamic of what I choose now, it allows me to see all of that. It allows me to see how my friends and my family view me. It allows me to see how I view them. It allows me to see where I'm broken and where I'm healed. That's what this podcast does for me. Recording these episodes, that's what that does for me. It's therapeutic for me. In more ways than one. Because I don't have all the answers. I have never, ever, 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 ever said that I did. What I've done is been as transparent as I possibly can. In hopes that someone who hears this episode or these episodes can glean from the mistakes that I've made. And not make the same. That's why on this episode, in this podcast, we try to be raw, real and wise. Because if I made the mistake because I didn't know any better. And you're listening to it and you see the makings of making the same mistake coming your way. You could be, oh, wait a minute, hold up. This is how she overcame this. I don't have to make this my testimony. I could do this differently. I could take this information and do it differently. Prime example. I had a young lady. For those of you that don't know, um, I lost custody of my three oldest children way back in the day. And there was a friend of mine at that time that was about to go through a custody battle. When I was going through my custody battles, plural, it almost killed me. But it didn't. So when she started going through her custody battle, I was able to give her a guideline on what to do so that she would not have a similar testimony to mine and it almost killed her. She took my words of wisdom and applied them. And when she lost custody of her children, it did not kill her. Fast forward, she's married to the man of her dreams and her relationship with her children is better than it's ever been because she heeded the information that I share with her. She didn't know nobody else that had lost custody of their children, but for some reason, our paths crossed for a time such as that. And I was able to equip her with the knowledge and the wisdom necessary to overcome that trial and tribulation in her life. And now she's flourishing. She decided not to co-sign for the lies. Just because she lost custody of her children did not make her an unfit mom. Because, you know, that's a lie that the devil will tell you. Now, if you're a devil worshiper, that's your business. But I'm talking to the people that get... Sick and tired of being sick and tired of co-signing for lies. I gave her the tools to overcome the lies. 
Just because she lost custody of her children did not make her an unfit mother, did not make her a terrible mother, did not mean that she did not have the capacity to mother her children. All of those are lies from the pits of hell. Her ex-husband's financial status was way greater than hers at that season in her life. And because of that, he was able to take care of their three children more efficiently and effectively than she could. The minute that she co-signed for the truth, she was able to position herself for better and for more. Now, had I been stingy with that information, there's no telling what would have happened to her. But I wasn't. I shared willfully and honestly and prepared her for a better future with the information I gathered from when I lost custody of my three oldest children. So that she would not have to go through the same storm the same way. So that she could go through that trial and tribulation with her head held high and still have her dignity intact. Even when somebody was trying to attack her person and her motherhood. If at all possible, co-sign for the truth and debunk the lies that have tried to set up camp in your house, in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit, and in your soul. Cancel those assignments so that you can be true to yourself above all else. So this is going to conclude my episode on today. I hope that y'all have the most amazing evening, morning, afternoon, whenever it is that you hear this episode And to my future hubby, wherever you are in this world, debunk the lies. You are uniquely and wonderfully made. There will never be another you. Hold on to the truth of who you are. Nobody else has to agree. Stick to what you know about you and be the best version of you that you can. Today, tomorrow, and forevermore. I love you. Love, Teresa. So please, 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 y'all, do me a huge favor. Take care of yourself because there is only one you. Signing out, your girl, Teresa. Y'all have a blessed one. Bye. And thank you so much for listening. Please share this episode.